Amen. Praise the Lord for the leading of the Lord. Take your Bibles once again. Turn with me to Psalm tonight, Psalm 119. We started this morning looking at those who follow God's word. Psalm 119 tonight. We want to look at verses 7 down through verse number 10. So let's all stand together once again and we'll read this portion of scripture together. Psalm 119, beginning with verse 7 tonight. And read down through verse number 10. I will praise thee with, the up, with uprightness of heart, when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes, O forsake me not utterly. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way, by taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee, O let me not wander from thy commandments. Let's pray. Father, tonight we do look to your word for instruction, for guidance, for help. Lord, we thank you that you've given to us the word of God. Lord, I thank you for having a copy of your word in our hands. So many people around the world have not that privilege. They have a little portion. They have a little section of your word, and that is precious to them. God, we've been so blessed. We can study it from cover to cover. And Father, may we never take it for granted how precious the word of God is. Lord, I thank you for what you've taught me over the years from my word. Lord, it's been such a comfort. It's been such a help. Lord, in times of, of stress, it gives relief. As in times of, of not knowing which way to go, we can search your scriptures. And Lord, we can have the understanding of the right way, the right path to take. Lord, I thank you that we have your word tonight. And Lord, we, like Mary tonight, want to sit at your feet to hear your word, to be blessed, and uh, Lord, that which cannot be taken away from us. I pray that we would cherish the wonderful word today. Lord, I thank you tonight for your word. Pray for the spirit of God as he works in our lives. Once again, Lord, we would sense your presence. And Lord, we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Ulysses S. Grant once said of the Bible, hold fast to the Bible as the sheet anchor of your liberties. Write its precepts in your heart and practice them in your lives. John Bunyan, who, the man who, was, who wrote the classic Pilgrim's Progress, stated, I was never out of my Bible. John Wesley said, I am a man of the book, of one book. George, Bonna, George Barna, if you know anything about him, he does uh, surveys and checks around to see what people are thinking, the direction of people. George Barna wrote this, uh, The State of the Church in 2002. He conducted a survey of self-pronounced Christians. And here's what he found about their knowledge of the Bible. Now notice, these are Christians people who call themselves Christian, 48% of them could not name the four Gospels. 52% could not identify more than two or three of the, of the uh, disciples of Jesus Christ. 60% of American Christians can't name even five of the Ten Commandments. 61% of American Christians think that the Sermon on the Mount was preached by Billy Graham. 
71% of American Christians think that God helps those who help themselves. That's a verse in the Bible. That's what they believe. George Bonin said, Americans revere the Bible, but by and, by, by and large, they don't even know what it says. And because they don't know it, they have become a nation of biblical illiterates. He went on to say in that, uh, that survey, he says, that the emerging generation has no basic understanding of the Bible or even many of the stories of the Bible because their parents fail to teach them about the Lord and his word. Their parents failed to take their kids to church and to role model for their kids the value of church. Now this was 2002. We're 20 years later, and you can see where our nation is headed. What has happened to America? A land which was founded upon the biblical principles, well, we have turned not only from God, but also from studying and reading the word of God. The psalmist in Psalm 119, 105 said, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know, a lamp is only good if we use it. It will only keep us on the right path if we will follow its instructions. As Christians, we're called to study the word, to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The word of God will be a blessing to us if we will spend time to read it and study and to apply. This morning we saw that those who follow God's word will be a happy people. That they will keep themselves from sin and they will not be ashamed. Tonight we're going to discover a few more truths about those who follow God's word. The question tonight, as it was this morning, am I a follower of God's word? Notice in this portion of scripture, Psalm 119, verse number 7, that those who follow God's word will have a heart of praise to God. Look at verse 7. I will praise thee with the uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. When we read the word of God and apply the truths that we find there, we will discover that God's ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Psalm 56, verse 10, it says, In God will I praise his word. In the Lord will I praise his word. Psalm 119, 164 says, Seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgments. Psalm 119, verse 171, My lips shall utter praise when thou hast taught me thy statutes. We will begin to have wisdom beyond our years when we follow God's word. Look at Psalm 119, verse number 97. I want you to, to look over here as the psalmist is writing. Notice what he says as he who studied his word, and this could be said of you if you would study and apply the word of God to your life. Psalm 119, verse 97. Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Thou, through thy commandments, hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep thy precepts. I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. 
I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Folks, you can have the wisdom of God. Every child of God can have the wisdom of God. It's found in these pages called the Bible. Moses, when he was speaking about God's wisdom, and as God had given his truth, his laws, and his judgments to the nation of Israel, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 5 through 8, he said this, Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me, that ye should do so in the land whether ye go to possess it. Keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what nation is there so great who hath God so nigh unto them as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for? And what nation is there so great that hath statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law which I set before you this day? Moses said the world will look at the decisions that you make as a nation as you follow God's word and say, wow, where did you get that wisdom? It comes from God. When we walk in the light of God's word, we have fellowship with him, and it causes us to rejoice and to give praise to our God. 1 John 1, 7 says, But if we walk in the light, the light of what? His word. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Psalm 16, verse 11 says, Thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence, is fullness of joy at thy right hand. There are pleasures forevermore. When we walk with the Lord and have fellowship with him, we have joy. We have a reason to rejoice. How can we but praise the name of our God? One morning, R.C. Chapman, a devoted Christian, was asked how he was feeling. And he replied, I'm burdened this morning. His friend looked at him and saw that smile on his face. He said, well, how, what, do, what do you mean you're burdened this morning? He says, yes, but it's a wonderful burden. It's an overabundance of blessings for which I cannot uh, find enough time or words to express my gratitude. You know, sometimes when you say things, it causes people to start thinking, and, and that's what we ought to do. It's caused people to think. And so as his friend was kind of had that puzzled look on his face, Man, a burden, you know, usually when you have a burden, you know, you got that, you know, you get that deep thinking look, you know, you're just burdened down. But uh, Mr. Chapman looked at his friend and he added, I am referring to Psalm 68, 19. Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation, Selah, which fully ascribes my condition. In that verse, the Father of heaven reminds us that he daily loads us with benefits. Why wouldn't it be nice to have those burdens in your mind? God loads us up with his blessings. Do you praise the Lord for his word? Do you praise him for what he has taught you through his word? This book is a wonderful book. 
It's a precious book. Notice the second thing that we see in this portion of Scripture, Psalm 119, that those who follow God's word will find cleansing for their soul. Look at verse number 8 and 9. He says, I will keep thy statutes, O forsake me not utterly. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. This verse gives wonderful hope for those who have defiled themselves with sin. That have allowed all sorts of junk to come into their mind. You say, well, how in the world can I ever get it out? Once it's in there, it's in there forever. I'm here today to tell you that God can cleanse your mind. One might ask, well, how does that work? Well, as we allow the word of God to enter into our mind and meditate upon the truths, uh, with the intent of applying God's word, what happens is this. It begins to wash our mind. Jesus said in John 15, 1 through 3, I am the true vine, and my father is a husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. As you memorize and meditate the word of God, it starts cleansing your mind. Just like uh, water does on a rock that has dirt on it, the more that that water just continues to wash over that rock, it removes that dirt. You say, well, pastor, sometimes it takes a lot of time to cleanse that rock of that dirt. Oh, absolutely. But in time, it will. There is cleansing power in the words of this book. It can cleanse your mind of the hurts of the past. Some people have had some hurts. Some people have done some horrendous things. People have had some difficult things. And say, so how in the world can I ever get those thoughts out of my mind? I'm here today to tell you that God, through his word, can cleanse your mind. It can cleanse your life of the filthy thoughts and habits as the Spirit of God convicts you in your heart, in your heart of the things which are displeasing to God and you remove them, you confess them and remove them out of your life the Holy Spirit begins to cleanse you. He begins to restore your mind. As we read through God's word and apply its truths to our life, it will create in us a new manner of living. You know, when we got saved, the Bible says the old man died. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. But now we're to walk in that new life. We are to yield to the Holy Spirit of God to, to work in us and through us, instructing us uh, in the word of God how we ought to walk in this new life. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13. Back toward the back of the, the Bible, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. The Apostle Peter says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Don't let your mind just wander. When you let your mind wander, it can wander into bad places, bad directions. You say, well, Pastor, that means we've got to be on guard all the time. Well, that's what God says. We need to be on guard. We need to be on guard with our music. 
We ought to be on guard with what we watch on television. We ought to be on guard with, uh, with what we hear from individuals. We ought to be on guard. You say, well, Pastor, that, that uses a lot of mental power, and I don't want to have to work that hard. Well, God, you know what? Do we want to follow what God says, or do we want to follow our way? The Bible says here, God says, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. It's that idea of pulling in tight your mind. Be sober, sober-minded, and hope to the end for the grace that is brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your, er, in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. God has a plan for us as his children. He wants us to live a holy, separated life that's going to bring praise, honor, and glory to him. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 2. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. It says, For as much then... As Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. In other words, have that same mind because of what Jesus has done for you. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to, to the lust of men, but to the will of God. Hey, once you're saved, you're to live the rest of your life for Jesus. It's to please Jesus. It's not to please yourself. You're to please Jesus in your life and give your life for him and yield your life to him. George Mueller, who is known for his strong faith, confided that when he made the following statement, he said, the first three years after my conversion, I neglected the word of God. Since I began to search it diligently, the blessing has been wonderful. He said, I've read through the Bible 100 times and always with increasing delight. 100, 100 times of reading through the Word of God. You ask people, have you read through the Bible? Oh, yeah, I, I read it through once. You get it all down? Well, I, you know, I, it's kind of like reading through, uh, uh, you know, uh, one of those books. Big books. Ben-Hur. You know, some of those books. There were some English books that I read through once. That was enough. But you know what? You can't get enough of God's word. John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, testified, read the Bible, read it again, and do not despair or help to understand something of the will and the mind of God, though you think they are, are fast locked up from you. Neither trouble yourself, though you may not have uh, commentaries and expositions, Pray and read and read and pray, for a little from God is better than a great deal from man. <laughs> Isn't that true? This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. James 1.21 says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. That word filthiness in that verse means to def defile and dishonor. Wherefore, lay apart all the things that defile you and dishonor you. Well, how would I know what defiles me? The world says anything's okay. 
Everything's okay. Follow your heart. But I'm telling you today that we are a defiled people when we break the commandments of God. When you break the commandments of God, in fact, God says this in, in Psalm 66, 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, if I have it in my heart, I have sin in my heart. You say, well, pastor, sin. Maybe it's the big sins, you know, like murder and steal and, 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 and theft. Those are the big sins. Those really defile us. God says, if I have hatred in my heart for somebody, I've committed murder in my heart because that's where it starts. Wow, pastor, you mean I, if I have a hatred for somebody because they, they did something to me and I, I have a right. No, God says that we don't have a right to hate that person. If anybody could say that, Jesus could say that. When he was on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. He was an example for us. That word superfluity of naughtiness, it's the abundance of evil. We're to set aside the abundance of evil that's in our life. And you know, the more you study the word of God, the more you, it will point out to you the evil that you have in your life and mine. You say, well, pastor, I don't sin anymore. You know, I've been, you know, I pretty much got that under handle. Really? Well, you're a, a foolish person. Because as long as you're in this flesh, and the more you study God's word, the more you will realize how far you are from a holy God. There's areas and things in our life that need to be changed and removed and things to be added into our life because we don't have the attitudes that we ought to have. It says receive uh, the engrafted that which has been implanted by others' instruction. Why do you come to church? Well, pastor, you know what? It's a social place. It's a place where we all get together and just have a good old time. We can have donuts and, and we, can have a, we can have all sorts of good things. Well, can I share with you, if you look at Ephesians for a moment, look with me, Ephesians chapter 4. And it gives for us the reason why church is so important. I don't care what the CDC said. I don't care what Fauci says. I care what God says. And the Bible says here in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, and he, talking of Jesus, gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith. That means to be on the same page. And of the knowledge of the Son of God, under the perfect man, under the measure of the stature, of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Folks, there's all sorts of false doctrine that's out there right now. You can have the, the uh, CCM music, the Christian, uh, the Christian contemporary music. Folks, can I tell you something? That music will cause you to go astray from the things of God. It's just a matter of time. It's interesting, you look at the, the surveys that have been done, those that are about 18 to 35, those that listen to that type of music, they don't stay in churches. Why should you stay in church and listen to a second-rate band when you can go in the world and get the first-rate? And that's exactly what happens to many. The world has its music, and it's the, world, the church has adopted its music, but it doesn't draw us closer to God. 
here in this portion of scripture, he talks about this, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him, unto Jesus in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together, compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Folks, that we might be built up together. That's why we come together, to hear the word of God preached, so that we will know how we ought to live and to know how we ought to support one another and, and to live before a lost and dying world. The gospel which you and I have received into our life is the power of God unto salvation, that truth that you and I, that we were a sinner that could not save ourselves. We needed a Savior, and God in his love for us sent his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. A fresh start with our sins forgiven and a bright new day which can start all over again because we have the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps you've never received Jesus as your own personal Savior. You've never known the cleansing which comes from the blood which Jesus has shed for you. But today could be a new day, a new beginning for you. A new beginning. I remember leading my father-in-law to the Lord. He said, you know, Phil, I wish I would have done this 50 years ago. I said, Dad, you can't go back. I said, but what you can do, you can go forward. And this is a new beginning, a new day to live for Jesus. And you know, it was a new day for him. Well, the first thing after he got saved, so now can I get baptized? Because it identifies with me with Jesus. I want people to know I'm with Jesus. He's I believe in his death, his burial, his resurrection. And he had been baptized in a Baptist church, and they told him he was a member. He says, I wasn't saved. There was no difference in my life. But when you have Jesus as your Savior, there is a difference that comes in your life. And I'll tell you what, as a Christian, it's exciting to see people who come and ask Jesus to be their Savior, to see a change in that life. J.S. Baxter once said, What God chooses, he cleanses. What God cleanses, he molds. What God molds, he fills. And what God fills, he uses. Hey, those are good words, are they not? Notice the third point, that those who follow God's word will find that they have a desire to stay close to him. Those who follow God's word will find that they have a desire to stay close to the Lord. Let's go back to Psalm 119 once again. Psalm 119 and verse number 10. Psalm 119, verse number 10. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. The psalmist didn't have a half-hearted commitment to the Lord. He gave him his all. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Psalm, 190, Psalm 119, verse 2, Blessed are they which keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. Psalm 119, 34, 
give me understanding and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Psalm 119, 69. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. You know, I've heard people say, well, you know what? I've tried religion and it didn't work. Can I tell you something? Religion won't work. Religion is man's way of trying to bind himself to God through do's and don'ts. But biblical Christianity is something totally different. It deals with a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It's where you surrender your life to the Lord's control in His hands and let Him do the work in your life. And you let Him lead you. And you let Him guide you. And you let Him show you what is right and the way to walk. Mendelssohn once visited the cathedral in Freiburg. And having heard that great organ, he went up to the organ, uh, in, uh, excuse me, the organ loft and asked if he would be allowed to play it. Well, you know, some people, when they've taken care of and they've polished and they've played the instruments, it kind of, they kind of take, that's mine. We were at a church in California when Tony and I was working as, I was working as an assistant pastor and, and Tony wanted to play the piano in the church and uh, they had a piano and they had an organ and we came in and we were, just, we were just in our 20s, early 20s and, you know, I'd been raised in a church Hey, these are instruments for the Lord. They're for the Lord's use. And uh, so Tani went in and she was playing the piano and one person who usually played the piano says, you can't play that. And uh, I thought, what in the world are they talking about? Well, you know, that's, that's the church's piano and I played the piano. Uh, kingdom kingdom you know what when people get kingdoms that's called pride i had a secretary that worked for me and and she uh she had that same type of attitude she said this is the church's computer nobody touches it but me you know it kind of starts in my feet it starts just climbing up and i said let me just share something with you that computer belongs to the church not you the piano belongs to the church. It belongs to the Lord and his work, not yours. So here, Mendelssohn, the great organist, just asked politely, Can I, could I play it? The guy at first, the organist said, no, 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 it's, I'm the organist. But then he thought about it for a moment, and he, he said, okay, go ahead. Mendelssohn began to sit down and started playing the organ. And as the, or, the old organist stood by, there was a, such delight and ecstasy of hearing this man with his hands on this organ could just play it with such ease and such feeling. After a few moments, the old organist came up to Mendelssohn and he said, Who are you? And he said, I'm Mendelssohn. He looked at him and he said, wow, I can't believe that I almost told the person who has such great ability that they couldn't play the organ 
because of my pride. How often do Christians refuse to let God play on the organ of their life? Because they think that they can do it so much better. There are some who only want to learn about the Lord and his word, but are never willing to let the Lord change them and that the message of him would come through their life. The story is told of Edward VI, king of England in the 16th century. He took notes during a time when he was in a worship service, when he was hearing the word of God preached. He took notes, and later as he went home, he examined the notes, and then he sought to apply it in his life. You know, a single revealed fact cherished in the heart and acted upon is more vital to our growth than all of our lofty ideas about God. You hear me say many times, and you've heard it when we've quoted it, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Make, to do. That's the word. That's the Greek word. To do. When you do what God's word says, you apply it to your life, you'll be set free. One step forward in obedience is worth years of study about it. Notice the psalmist in his latter part of the verse, he says, Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. He was pleading with the Lord to keep him close to his side. He didn't want to wander away. How easy it is at times for us to know the Lord and yet to wander away from him. We're led away by our own fleshly lusts and desires and fall into sin. The hymn writer said this, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Those who follow God's word realize the joy of staying close to the Lord. They have a desire to stay close with God. You know, when we get away from God's word, we won't, it won't be long before our heart will be cold toward God and toward his will. The children of Judah had begun to wander a little bit at a time away from the Lord. They didn't see any big problem with it. They just wanted to live their life and to do that which came naturally. The farther into sin they went, the colder their heart became. And God sent a prophet named Amos to warn them and to try to turn them back unto the right path. Consider what Amos said in Amos chapter 8, verse 11 and 12. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. May I share with you that there's a famine in the land of America today. Oh, there's a famine in some regards to food, and we're seeing that. But there's a greater famine than that. There's a famine 
in the hearts and lives of people for the word of God. People have wandered away from the truth. Those who follow God's word will have a heart of praise for the Lord. They will find the cleansing of their soul in this book. They will have a desire to stay close to the Lord. How do you measure up? Do you have a heart of praise for the Lord? Oh, the Lord is good, isn't he? Sometimes I wonder why he just doesn't take us home sometimes. We just fall so short. And the Lord blesses us in spite of that. Have you found cleansing for your soul? You know, when you start meditating on the word of God and God just starts taking away those thoughts and those old thoughts that you used to have become less and less and don't remember them anymore. It comes to that point. In fact, sometimes the hurt that people have done to you as you study and read the word of God, those hurts just seem farther and farther away because God is bringing healing. Remember in Psalm 23, David talked about his Lord, the, the Lord, the good shepherd, restores his soul, his mind his emotions, and his will. So, Pastor, I just don't see how God could ever do that. Oh, there's a great God. Do you have a desire to stay close to the Lord? A desire to stay close to the Lord? I need thee every hour, most precious Lord. Folks, I pray tonight that as we understand the importance of this book called the Bible, it's an amazing book. I pray that we would spend time in it. Nobody can do it for you. You can't get the words of God's word by just putting your hands on it and getting it by osmosis. Wouldn't that be wonderful? But that's not how it happens. It happens as you and I, as we decide in our heart, Lord, I want you. I want to know about you. I want you to, to teach me and instruct me. I need your spirit to guide me today. And as you and I, as we spend time in God's word, God will reveal to us his truth. And you will find something that will help you every day if you'll just spend time in the book. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you for the word of God. How wonderful it is to know that the truth is in our hands. And we can know the truth, and the truth can make us free if we will just apply it to our lives. Lord, your truth has been forever settled in heaven. Lord, your plan for our life is available for us to be able to understand if we will just trust. Trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and lean not to our own understanding. In all of our ways, acknowledge you, and you will direct our path. Father, tonight I pray that your word has come alive to us. I pray, God, that we would have a hungering and a thirsting after righteousness. God, please teach us thy word. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've never received Jesus as your Savior, tonight could be the opportunity to know the author of that book called the Bible. You can, the Bible says, that Jesus Christ, God's Son, 
came and died on a cross for your sins and mine. He was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. God's word. Jesus Christ lives in heaven right now. And one day he's coming back to take us home if we know him as our Savior. If you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior, tonight is the night you can receive Christ and your life can be set free and you can have a new life in Christ. Let me encourage you right now to receive Christ as your Savior. You can pray a simple prayer like this. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. And I ask Jesus to come into my heart and my life and save me right now. I love Jesus for dying for me. I want him to be my Savior. I want to repent of my sin and turn to him in Jesus' name. Dear Father, we pray that if there's one that did that tonight and received Christ as their Savior, I pray, Lord, that you'd give them your peace and your joy and help them to grow. I give you all the praise, the honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. Brother Scott's going to lead us in a song of invitation. And as he leads us, God's speaking to your heart. I pray that you'd come and that you would get things right with God. If you need to come to the altar and pray, maybe you've got some loved ones who are not saved.